0: Hey there, Nationals fans, and welcome to episode two of the Believe in Nationals podcast. I'm your host, Blake Finney. And, well, it actually happened. The Nationals did what many thought was unthinkable a couple months ago and traded Juan soto to the San Diego Padres. Joining me on the podcast a bit later on to break down the trade and the events that preceded it is Patrick Reddington, editor-in-chief at Federal Baseball. No doubt, Tuesday was a tough day for Nationals fans. One-soto is the latest in a long line of Nationals stars to depart, either via trade or via free agency, but this one might sting the most because of the track that he appeared to be on at just 23 years old Already being arguably the best hitter in baseball, having the charisma and star power to be the face of any franchise for 20 plus years, and as much of a Hall of Fame lock as a 23-year-old can be. In truth, there's probably no return for Soto that could ever have been fair value, and the trade was seemingly about just maximising any return for him now, when the Padres can have him on their team for three pennant races instead of two had they waited until the off-season or next trade deadline. And it all comes off the back of Soto rejecting a 15-year, 440 million contract extension, an extension that was not realistically going to get a deal done While the total value was record-breaking, the 29 million annual average value was way lower than a player of Soto's calibre deserves, even on a long-term deal. Max Scherzer's 43.3 million annual average value came on a three-year deal so it isn't really an appropriate comparison but to even be in the right ballpark the Nationals probably needed to get to at least 35 million annual average value putting him above the likes of Francisco Lindor who's in the first year of a 10-year 410 million dollar extension with the Mets and right behind Mike Trout's 35.5 million annual average value on a 12-year deal but if the Nationals truly believed that it was going to be impossible to sign one-sided to a long-term extension then the trade they got back was probably about as good as they like likely to get even if adding in an additional prospect such as Jackson Merrill may have been the icing on it. So to break down the big deal here's this episode's guest Patrick Reddington. Now join me on the podcast it took some uh, negotiating but I finally managed to get the big boss on the podcast my editor at Federal Baseball and the editor-in-chief Patrick Reddington. How are you doing Patrick?
1: Good and without getting myself in trouble you know I work cheap so no problem.
0: <laughs> Let's get right into it and discuss the the big news, the A. Ray Adrianza trade. With uh, with just over six hours remaining until the trade deadline, the Nationals agreed to trade their superstar outfielder, Juan Soto, as well as Josh Bell to the San Diego Padres. In return, the Nationals received Luke Voigt, CJ Abrams, a rookie shortstop, Mackenzie Gore, a rookie left-handed starting pitcher who's out injured at the moment, outfield prospect Robert Hassel III, Another outfield prospect, James Wood, and 18-year-old flamethrowing prospect, Harleen Toussaint. Uh I'll probably butchered the pronunciation of the last one. I'm sure we'll get official pronunciation later. But what was your initial reaction when uh, the trade broke? And today, did you think, waking up, that they were actually going to trade Soho today?
1: I was about 50-50 when I woke up. Uh, just the idea that they were going to trade him didn't sit well with me. Uh, I understand the thinking behind it. You don't think he's going to sign there long term. You have two and a half years where you don't think you're going to necessarily be competitive unless a lot of things go your way. As Rizzo said today, it was the peak value for him at this point. Padres have three playoff runs. If they can stay in contention with the lineup that they have, I don't think that's going to be a problem for them. Just the once-in-generation talent. And I noticed Rizzo bristled when someone asked him if he thought he was going to go down in history as the GM who traded Soto and told reporters today, I'm also the one who signed him, developed him, and won a World Series with Rizzo was a little uh, defensive, it seemed, at the press conference today, but... It makes sense considering where the Nationals are, where they find themselves. I think it sets the reboot time frame back a little bit by doing it, but like I said, I woke up 50-50. I wasn't going to be surprised if they did for the fan base sake. From what I'm hearing from fans, I was kind of hoping they didn't end up trading Soto unless they got what they wanted, but this deal is, I was just trying to find quickly Davy Martinez's description yesterday of what they wanted. Some high-end prospects, some guys with major league experience. They got two of each of those, and then a young pitcher who's really projectable, but as Rizzo said, throwing over 100 in the Arizona league right now so not completely surprised it went down still shocked that you trade Juan Soto just the fact that you're dealing a kid like that who you know is just preacher naturally talented and really put up you know batting average aside this year uh, he's put up fantastic numbers in his first five years in the majors and just the idea of trading him I think shocked everyone in the baseball world but they got the return they were extra, and they did it
0: yeah I think as the process went along it did feel like when when the report first came out it seemed like it was going to be just entertaining is someone going to pay over the odds but I guess as the process went along it felt like they were more forced towards a trade and they were trying to make something happen rather than just waiting and seeing if the right offer came in their lap what did you make of them including Josh Bell in the trade because obviously it felt like he was also going to get traded but have they potentially lessened the return by including him in this trade as opposed to dealing him separately
1: That's a possibility. The way Rizzo described it today in in a 20-minute press conference he had with reporters there was that uh, the trade was for Soto initially. They wanted uh, Susana, whose name I'll actually butcher as well, because I was looking for a pronunciation key on all these guys today, just in case. But Rizzo basically described it as it was a bell for Susana at the end there. And that's the one guy they're really excited about, apparently, according to what Rizzo had to say. So I knew Bell was getting traded. We'll get into this, I'm sure. I thought there were going to be a lot more people if they're going all in on the sell-off, uh, you include Soto, you don't. You get an extra young prospect thrown in there, a kid with a really projectable arm, uh, number one ranked pitcher on the 2020 international signing class, according to the Nationals press release today. Throwing them in there, you get another prospect that you wanted, major league talent, you got some minor league guys that are on their way up. It, it fits with where the Nationals are right now.
0: I found it interesting I'm sure we weren't the only ones just kind of waiting for more news to break for more trades and they just kind of um, nothing happened uh, we'll probably come on to that in a bit and what they should have done but obviously the trade came on the heels of Soto turning down a mammoth 15 year 440 million offer co- contract extension offer from the Nationals obviously the Nationals believed that that indicated that they weren't going to be able to sign in long term before reaching free agency what did you make of that contract offer do you think they should have gone higher not necessarily handing a blank check over to Boris, that's probably one of the most dangerous things you could ever do, but do you think that offer was fair, or do you think they should have gone higher before potentially pulling the trigger on this deal?
1: As much as they're going to deny it, I can't see the ownership position uh, the trying to sell the team right now not playing a big factor in this I, from what Soto said on his side, he wanted to know who was going to be owning the team, wanted to know that they are committed to winning if he was going to commit that long term. From the national side I, I, I'm sure there's got to be something going on there with the fact that you know you're trying to sell the team, what does a new owner want Work out of the Soto. Does he want to have a stock farm system from a trade with Soto? So I have to imagine that played a, a role in it. But Rizzo and uh, David Martinez both said today that the relationship with Soto was fine, but it didn't play out well there. And you saw Soto, who doesn't have a whole lot to say most of the time, explaining to reporters that he was kind of hurt by the details of leaking out uh, when he turns down that sort of deal. Uh, him and Boris are clearly stuck on the AAV. What was it? The 20th highest AAV in the majors right now. If he took that deal, they don't think that's where he should be. When you compare it to the other players, which what Rizzo said, uh, Mike Trout's AAV, Bryce Harper, it did, You know, I think it was higher than those guys. I don't think they're getting the Max Scherzer 40-something million, <laughs> million a year. Rizzo said he would give him a three-year deal like Scherzer got, which is a funny joke in all of this, but it did really seem to me like the relationship kind of deteriorated to the point where it forced them to make a decision at this point and force them to make this trade
0: yeah I think my my comparison all along was kind of the, the Mike Trout era. and I, I do follow along with the Nationals logic that the Scherzer deal I don't know if it's necessarily irrelevant but it, it shouldn't be kind of a yardstick for the whole thing where his AAV is somewhere way north of 40 million a year but that is for a three year deal you see some of these guys getting inflated one year deals you probably saw it with Nelson Cruz for the Nationals this year where if you're paying short term then you can bump that AAV up and it also played out in the Bryce Harper negotiations where I think the, the Giants and Dodgers were coming in at shorter deals obviously less total value but much higher AAV if I remember right the Dodgers was something like four years for 40 million for Harper along those lines so if uh, Boris and so wanted the long-term deal then I think they were they were never going to reach Max's AV. but when you look at say Mike Trout who got 12 years just over 35 million AV. I think that's more in line with what the Nationals were kind of going or going to end up towards potentially so something along the lines of maybe I don't know 13 years 500 million and then you're sitting right around Mike Trout's AV, so I think it was perfectly reasonable for Soto and Boris to turn down that 15 year 440 million it was perfectly reasonable because of the annual average value perfectly reasonable because of ownership he doesn't want to lock himself into a 15 year deal and then you get one of these terrible owners who's just trying to use the the major league team as a cash cow I suppose
1: and you're stuck there for 15 years with someone you might not get along with. When... Yeah, exactly. How much it was about the San Diego ownership but uh, we'll see if they end up trading
0: them too. What I'm going to do now we're going to go through each of the players have a little bit of a look in detail. Obviously, um, it looked like they were going to get Eric Hosmer for a little bit. Um, that didn't end up working out. He vetoed his part of the trade to the Nationals and I don't think anyone can blame him rather than just kind of sitting with the Nationals losing 100 games a year. So, he ended up going off to the Boston Red Sox and in his place. I kind of feel sorry for Luke Voigt a bit who looked like he was going to be with the Padres going to the postseason probably and now he's just kind of thrown into this deal there wasn't any other adjustments for Luke Voigt they just swapped out Eric Hosmer and put Luke Voigt in he's under team control through the 2024 season so it probably wouldn't surprise me if the Nationals brought him on and are probably going to trade him again in the near future
1: yeah I wouldn't surprise either and I I'd also like to see the, the text chain between Voigt and Hosmer if they're friendly out there because <laughs> he probably didn't appreciate Hosmer blocking that trade and then Voigt gets thrown in there uh, described him as just a veteran who can help be a member on a young team, uh, kick back and play first base, which they need now that you lost Josh Bell. I'm not sure Joey Meneses is the answer over there, though he did get his first uh, MLB home run tonight, but I think that's a definite hole on this roster once you get rid of Bell. I was thinking all year, if he got injured, what they were going to do over there, if it's Michael Franco moving over, or if they are going to bring Meneses up. I can't pronounce his name either, but it makes sense to add this guy. You get a veteran presence there. Nelson Cruz is apparently still on the team, which I'm sure we will get to. I'm shocked. I figured he could have gotten something for him. I thought that was kind of the whole point of signing him, but maybe there just wasn't the interest there, the way he's hitting and people watching his bats this year. So, boy, throw in. It. You get all the prospects you, want, prospects you want. You get a major league bat thrown in there for the for a couple of years. They want him. It's nothing too, too exciting there, but some pop in the lineup, I guess. I
0: don't I don't think there's a downside to getting him. He's not blocking anyone. The Nationals are pretty dereft of um, first basemen in their farm system. You have Riley Adams, who's trying to play first base at AAA. We'll see how that goes in the next one is Brandon bossier like he's not blocking anyone maybe he can hit a little bit maybe they get a prospect for him in the offseason or next deadline if he's hitting well enough like I don't think there's a downside to it but obviously he's not the, the headliner the headliner um, or multiple headliners I suppose so you get CJ Abrams a shortstop former number six overall pick former number nine overall prospect according to Baseball America uh, he whizzed through the mind leagues perhaps too quickly because he made his major league debut and has had an underwhelming 605 OPS in 46 games this year, He's hitting a lot better at AAA, where he'll start with the Nationals. They optioned him down there earlier today. He's a bit of a speed demon with excellent back-to-ball skills, and the power is developing a little bit. He's, he's probably a better version of Luis Garcia, and hopefully one who can actually stick at shortstop, because I think we've seen, um, even though the Nationals have played Luis Garcia at shortstop this year, he doesn't look like he's going to be there in the big leagues permanently, so... Do you think C.J. Abrams is the shortstop of the future, and uh, what do you see with him moving forwards?
1: I asked Davey Martinez this spring. He gave, like, a scathing review of uh, Luis Garcia's defense, uh, defensive skills towards the end of last season, but when they said that, I was kind of like, uh, Davey, can you square these two things? And he, he gave the explanation, and it made sense why they wanted to put him over there and see what he can do. I liked him much better at second base. I'd I swing him back over there immediately when you're ready to bring Abrams up. Uh, I, I'm not going to pretend I know about a lot about these uh, Padres prospects. I started looking into them in depth as soon as they were one of the four teams that was left there. So I'm aware of uh, Abrams and Gore and the other, you know, I know the names basically. I'm not going to pretend I know more about them than I do. Uh, the Nationals have had luck picking shortstops out of uh, San Diego's system before. Obviously, Trey Turner was another trade they made. If their scouts like him as much as they like Turner, you get Abrams here. You got a nice deal off the middle with him and Garcia. There's good and bad with Garcia. The fat obviously is a plus. If he's at a less demanding defensive position at second, I think it's going to work out better. And the two of them up the middle, I like where the Nationals are going with that. You believe that uh, middle middle of the field defense with those two Robles up the middle, Kyber behind the plate. Uh, you got the makings of the core of a roster there.
0: I definitely think he's the long-term shortstop and like I said I think Luis Garcia is destined for second base it didn't make a whole lot of sense to move him to shortstop this season I don't think um I think it would have been better just to play him at second base because I don't think there was any scenario where he was going to end up at shortstop long term they were I think they were just making room for Cesar Hernandez who they probably should have traded didn't, didn't do that either the next prospect that we'll look at Mackenzie Gore former number three overall pick uh former number six overall prospect according to Baseball America uh and this season he actually started really well he had a 1.5 ERA in his first nine appearances, but then had a 11.05 ERA in his last seven appearances before he was put on the injured list with elbow soreness, which the Nationals believe is minor. Obviously, Mike Rizzo loves his pitching prospects. What do you think he thinks of Mackenzie Gore?
1: I think they think it's a, maybe not this season, but a major league ready arm clearly need help, but you have him, Cade Cavalli, and Josiah Gray at the top of your rotation are onto something there, counting on three guys to pan out in the majors, but it's a nice add, the, the elbow injury concerns me, obviously, uh, the Nationals said they check out all the MRIs, Rizzo said the doctors gave them enough the to make the deal, you know, the two top Major league ready prospects in the Padres' organization They, have. I don't think we'll see Gore this year. Abrams at point, but those are two of the headliners and the major league ready talent the Nationals wanted in this deal. I like what it uh, portends for the Nationals' rotation if these guys are healthy and performing at the top. You got a nice top three right there. I don't know what, if anything, we're ever going to get out to Strasburg, but he comes back in any sort of form close to what he was in the past, and you got four starters there. So I can see where they're building. I can see what they're doing. Uh, He's obviously well regarded all around the league. So I like those two at the top of it. I don't know as much about the two prospects below them, but a lot of talent in this trade. And it was enough for the Nationals to be convinced not only to trade Soto, but uh, throw Bell in there.
0: Yeah, I think Gore's definitely got front end of the rotation potential and we saw that before the elbow injury started nagging him and it's entirely possible that those first nine appearances are more akin to what we're going to see long term and perhaps he was dealing with that elbow soreness through those last few appearances where he was struggling a little bit the other prospects Robert Hassel third current 25 overall prospect in Baseball America and former number eight overall pick he's more of a hit over power player in high A 846 OPS but could grow into more power he was drafted as a high schooler initially had concerns as to whether he would stick in centre field, but the defense is improving massively. And the other outfielder they got is James Wood, perhaps the most intriguing player in the deal. A second round pick with first round talent that the Padres signed for way over slot value out of IMG Academy, a former teammate of Elijah Green down there. Much like Elijah Green, he had strikeout concerns coming out of img but those fears seem to have been quelled so far in professional baseball and another potential five tool corner outfielder he's again like elijah green very big for playing center field so if he ends up if he keeps improving he could end up being the best player in the deal so the nationals have been adding a, a lot of outfielders lately which is quite, kind of interesting a
1: lot of big outfielders maybe they knew uh they weren't going to keep Soto in the long term uh, you get a 20 year old guy Rizzo called Hassel, a five tool talent he's 20 years old uh robles doesn't have to worry yet but they got potential future uh, everyday outfielders here in the trade that are young uh huge six 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 seven it's just they you know along with elijah green as you mentioned there they got some really powerful looking young kids here who are going to grow uh, elijah green i remember on the night of the draft looking at his father uh, i think he's like elijah is like 64 220 now his father his playing days in the nfl was six six five uh, 280 something like that so you imagine there's going to be a little bit of growth there. They're, they added a lot of power back in the outfield to their uh, system here, and two more today. Something the Nationals definitely needed, I think, in the system, and uh, you know, to get these two guys, add them to the list, and you know, they're immediately top ten prospects in the National system, if not, you know, I am top five. So I don't know much about them. I'm not good. like I said, but all the all the scouting reports I've read are positive about what they bring, and the Nationals are clearly excited
0: about the additions and uh, the top overall pick next year might be Dylan Cruz in the MLB draft so they could get a fourth outfielder and start to revolutionise the shift when they ban it but the the farm system has raised itself significantly I think Fangraphs put it at number 8 overall which maybe that's a a stain on the Nationals that they trade arguably the best hitter in the game and one of the best of the generation and they only get their farm system up to 8 do you think they had to do this and is this trade kind of covering up some of the deficiencies in their player development over the last few years obviously they had to trade some of these guys away to keep competing for the decade long but at the same time should it really have had that much of an effect on the farm system
1: it clearly does have an effect. Uh, the drafting before this, the fact that these guys are all going to slot in in the top 10 does say something about the effectiveness of the draft in the last couple of years. They do have a lot of young prospects. Uh, Rizzo and Davey this week, uh, seemingly on message, have been talking about all the prospects at the low A-ball the um, affiliates. There's a lot of talent pulled together down there. Uh, Jeremy De La Rosa, another outfield prospect. They're stockpiling this kind of talent
0: yeah there's um there's Christian Vaquero in the Dominican Summer League, but I think it's too far to project how far away he is uh the final prospect in the deal, Harlan Susana a bit more of a wild card, lighting up the Arizona Complex League, has a fastball that lives in the high 90s, touches well over 100 regularly. He's probably the toughest to project because he's so far away and obviously the, the tools are pretty loud but when you come to say Hassel and Wood who have started well, they're not say striking out a ton. It does look like they're going to project pretty well but Susana it does feel like it's just a bit more of a wild card and if the Nationals get anything out of him great. Maybe even um, worst case scenario he ends up as a reliever who throws 105 but maybe doesn't know where it's going those those guys get rolls in the bullpen
1: 6'6", six, six, 235 at 18. That's just ridiculous at this point. Uh, Rizzo described him as the youngest and least known member of the group, but possibly the highest upside of the pieces they got today. Uh, said he was really coveted and they really wanted more that we've discussed previously. Uh, 18 years old, 6'6", six, six, as I mentioned. Rizzo's report here, uh, good, clean delivery, throws the ball hard. He's 98, we saw him twice in the last two weeks. He's up, good feel for a changeup at 18. Another high end pitching prospect added to the mix here with the Nationals. and The focus Rizzo put on him and when he broke down all the prospects i thought it was interesting this is some guy a guy they're clearly excited about and one of those guys i'm sure their scouts loved and adding him in the mix here uh, essentially for bell gives the nationals that wildcard that you mentioned there but uh, a potential really impressive arm here
0: Yeah, I wonder how much homework the Nationals had already done on these. I know some of these guys probably weren't in the system when uh, the Max Scherzer trade was rumoured to be happening last year, but they've probably done their homework even in a short period of time. So it does sound like Rizzo and the rest of the front office are excited. But now moving on from the one Soto trade, like I said, we were expecting the Nationals to make other moves. They had Nelson Cruz. Even if he's not been performing up to standard this season, you would have thought someone might take a punt on his veteran presence. Steve Ciszek has actually been serviceable in the bullpen at this time of year you can never get enough bullpen help and even some of the guys that maybe they could have just taken a punt on like Cesar Hernandez for instance and then some of the other controllable guys such as uh, Kyle Finnegan was rumored, Kyle Edwards Jr. maybe even Yadiel Hernandez. How surprised were you that they didn't do anything after the one-sided trade?
1: Air trade Yadiel Hernandez. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching a lot of Yadiel Hernandez down the stretch here now that didn't trade him, but that's the only one of the players you, you mentioned that I wanted to see on this team if they were going full in on the break, uh, uh, sell-off here. Uh, Nelson Cruz, I guess he's going to be a great mentor down the stretch. Just have to imagine nobody but bid on him or offered anything substantial to make the Nationals do it, but you look at Finnegan, 30 years old, uh, a reliever who didn't make the majors until the Nationals signed him out uh, away from Oakland. Uh, Carl Edwards Jr. is having a good season. Another 30-year-old, C-Shek 36, I think. I'd have to look it up. But I just, when you're doing a sell-off like you did last year, I just expected all these guys on one-year deals to go for anything. You just take flyers around the league, try to find prospects your scouts like, you know, reward them all for finding people you like out there and get these guys off of the roster. But I'm wondering if it's a question of the Nationals just not thinking they have the arms to fill the roster if they dealt these guys. Uh, Cesar Hernandez, uh, Alcides Escobar as well. Uh, I don't think you're going to get anything. The middle infielders I'm talking about, I don't think you're going to get much of anything. Cruz, you figured you could have gotten something from a tending team that wants a bat. Binigan and Edwards, you hope you could have gotten something for them too. But holding onto them just perplexes me at this point. I'm just assuming though Rizzo didn't say much about this angle because he spoke today two hours before the deadline ended
0: and had to get out of there quickly. But I just
1: imagine there was no one offering anything of value for these guys or else they would have dealt them.
0: Yeah, and last season they they pretty much sold everything that had an expiring contract. They even managed to pull off Houdiniak to get rid of John Lester for Lane Thomas for a warm body even at that. So yeah, it was a surprise and like you say, perhaps it was just a lack of interest, particularly in someone like Cesar Hernandez, who has been probably one of the most disappointing players on the team who hasn't provided anything. You thought he was either going to sell out for power like he did before or kind of go back towards the on-base threat that he was and he just ended up doing neither, not really getting on base, hit no home runs this season but if it's the case of not having enough interest do you think that's a bit of an indictment on the front office for what they did this offseason where they didn't take enough of these punts I don't think you
1: can't blame it all on the front office uh the performance of the players I think is the biggest role here the, the fact that there was not interest seemingly or not enough interest to warrant trading them watching the Mets broadcast the last couple of days they, they went on and on about Nelson Cruz clearly uh losing a little speed there so maybe other scouts around the league saw the same didn't want to take a risk on him, and whatever he's left to the Nationals, I think 15 million they signed him for this year, but i just expected all those guys to be off the roster honestly, and I'm starting to think one, there was no interest, two, the Nationals didn't know if they could fill the at-bats and innings if they got rid of all those guys
0: Yeah, I think it's still a bit disappointing. I, I even said it at the time in the offseason where it felt like they should have kind of leaned into getting more and more one-year deals. Some of them aren't going to pan out. That's just the nature of the game. So they, they get some of these guys. Say Hassan and does what he does this year. You kind of manage, but to only trade away one guy, Rey Adrianza, for a low-end prospect from the Braves, that's why I feel like they should have taken more punts and hoped that a couple of them worked out that they could have easily flipped and actually had some more appealing options, particularly in the bullpen. We've seen some of the guys go today who have a little bit of control like Kyle Finnegan and Carl Edwards Jr who have actually netted notable prospects not top 100 guys but guys towards the top of teams list so that's why it was a little bit disappointing and like I said I, I think it stems back to what they did in the off-season, where they probably should have taken some more of these one-year guys and now we have to watch the the corpse of Nelson Cruz and Cesar Hernandez play the season out I suppose.
1: And for a team that's prided itself on their ability to scout and scavenge around the league and find these guys that are under pre they just have shown an ability to identify some of these guys and kind of find the diamond in the rough, especially relief arms. So they wouldn't take flyers and just, you know, throw these guys out there and get those kind of arms back and hope some of them turn into something. I, I just fully expected that today. It's kind of surprising that they didn't <laughs> end up doing it.
0: Now we're at that point where the, the Nationals are where they are, and perhaps they can learn some lessons in the off-season coming up. I've always said it's something that teams who are out of it should be doing more to spend. All you're losing is money by taking a chance on these guys. You're not locking yourself into multi-year deals. Technically, there's no such thing as a bad one-year deal, even if they just play out the season and that happens. And yeah, it, it's a far cry from 2019 where the Nationals seem to dump dive and always strike gold for some reason. And just to just to round it off, we will wrap up Tuesday night's game against the the Mets. Uh, it was Corey Abbott against Jacob Degrom, and obviously the Nationals managed to win. There were some pretty cool moments. I thought Luis Garcia's game was particularly interesting hitting the home run, making a big difference. I think he got the go-ahead RBI to make it one nothing. We've talked about him a lot. Does he kind of become the face of the rebuild at the major league level at this point?
1: Right. There was a lot of joking going around where uh, it was Juan Soto's team once ever retweeted <laughs> now and now who wants this team? So I guess Luis Garcia reluctantly inherits that mantle, but Garcia, uh, Robles, if he he can turn into something uh, we've seen him continue to struggle this year i like the young core that they have the guys that are kind of hanging around here uh, i don't know what thomas see in the end but i guess if you're building around people that i bear uh garcia they're the two that are up there now that are part of the core of the future everyday player wise uh robles will see what he can do if he can turn himself back into one of those things Everyone liked to note that he was a higher-ranked prospect in Soto for the time before they both came up. So I, I haven't given up on Robles yet, even though he continues to frustrate me, and I'm sure David Martinez too. But they have a night, a three young players there that I think are, you know, for now, going to be the face of the Nationals on an everyday basis because, you know, pitchers in five days, those are the three that we're going to see
0: out there. That's the state of it at this point, especially with the prospects they've acquired. I think Abrams needs more time in the minors before he comes up and starts to become a face of it. Like I said, Mackenzie Gore injured. We may see K. Cavalli in a few weeks. I, I'd be surprised if he doesn't come up and make a few appearances before the end of the season, as long as he keeps performing in AAA. It's going to be a pretty bleak watch for the Nationals for the rest of the season, but someone has to do it. Uh, I
1: was thinking about the next 50 games. Uh, one of the highlights was watching Juan Soto on a
0: daily basis.
1: That's not the main reason, obviously, but he was something for the fans to latch on to. He was essentially the face of the franchise before today, and he was one of the you know reasons to tune in every day on a daily basis now. Are people going to tune in for Garcia, the Kyber to behind the plate, and Victor Robles, uh, Josiah Gray, Starks? got to give the fans a reason to come to the park. I, I don't know what the Nationals are going to sell going forward. Unlike with uh, Ruiz and Gray last year, where you had two guys up and you made a trade that sent away someone like Scherzer and Turner, but at least you had those two guys up. Like you just said, I, I don't think Abrams could use some seasoning, it seems. Uh, every scouting report I read talks about how he looked overmatched against Major League pitching so far. I don't think you're going to see two guys up right away that kind of show this is why we did it like, the, like we had last
0: year. And I, I think the, the rest of the season is going to be tough to watch, but yeah, that's the, that's the nature of the beast. Yadiel,
1: Yadiel Hernandez, Mark's like myself around the
0: world. are going to be very excited. Got Yadier Hernandez and Joey Meneses.
1: There, there we go. Put them on the poster. You got to take those big Soto signs down around the park.
0: <laughs> That's all we had. Thanks for joining me, Patrick. And uh, hopefully it's not too depressing the rest of the season, but we'll see.
1: Good to actually talk to you. I think it's been three years working at Federal Baseball. And thanks actually having me on.
0: Thanks to Patrick for joining me late on Tuesday night after the Nationals' win over the Mets and a pretty hectic trade deadline. If you follow me and my work, you no doubt know the legend of Patrick Reddington and the machine-like work he has put into federal baseball over the years. As we mentioned towards the end, it was particularly disappointing that the Nationals weren't able to trade the likes of Steve Ciszek, Nelson Cruz and Cesar Hernandez for prospects, especially when they were signed in free agency specifically to be traded. Obviously, they depreciated their own value with their performances this season, but you have to think there was at least some team who would have traded a low-level lottery ticket or a player on the outside looking in of a 40-man roster crunch, just as the Nationals did last season when they got Lane Thomas in return for John Lester. It's something of an indictment on the front office that they either only signed players who flamed out this season, and maybe should have looked elsewhere or signed more veterans to one year deals in the hope that some of them would have been able to make themselves appealing trade targets, or that the front office was so consumed with a one-sided deal that they simply ran out of time before the deadline passed to work on other trades. The only group who know that answer though are the Nationals Front Office. Well That's all we have for this episode. Moving forward, we should be on a more regular schedule releasing episodes. We're going to be releasing them every Monday now that the trade deadline is quiet and down and just to get into a rhythm for the rest of the season. We'll see you next time.